0: As a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sundays at one of our worship services at 8.30 or 11 and for Bible study at 9.45. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God. Good morning. I'm glad you're here. It'd be awkward if you weren't, I guess. Um, you know, uh, last last Sunday was crazy. Uh, we weren't sure whether or not to shut down, to, to close up shop, and we did uh, decide to do that. And I'm so thankful for Logan Reynolds who uh, was able to to preach in in my place last week, and uh, I thank him for that. The sermon that I had prepared for last week was on a core value, uh, unity and diversity. That particular sermon has now been moved to March 7th, and that'll be our last core value that we preach on. It's it's great that that particular sermon actually will be on March 7th, unity and diversity, because that evening uh, on March 7th at, at 5 p.m., we'll be having a, a family meeting uh, that night. Uh, to, to talk about the hilltop and the direction that we are headed uh, with our move to the hilltop. And I can't think of a better sermon to preach on a Sunday morning than unity in diversity. As we share our thoughts, we know that they'll be diverse. We'll know that there'll be lots of opinions and thoughts uh, in this room and among our body. But we also recognize that together... We put those thoughts together and we we work it out and we strive for unity. So I'm looking forward to that Sunday, March 7th, uh, as we discuss the the core value of unity in diversity. Uh, Next week, you might be wondering, well why aren't we preaching that next week? Well next week, uh, will be our global mission Sunday and we'll be celebrating global missions and we'll actually have three missionaries here that morning uh, one from Texas Baptist one from the North American Mission Board and one from the International Mission Board and they'll be sharing with us uh, their work on the mission field and, and I'm looking forward to that week uh, next week as we celebrate global missions and we launch our global mission offering next week so today we'll be uh focusing on uh, continuing our identity series with the core value integrative missions. Up to now, we have focused on five core values, undistracted excellence, sacrificial worship, prioritizing the Bible, transforming discipleship, and attractive community, which, by the way, attractive community, we had a lot of opportunity to practice that this week. And uh, I thank you so much, church family. I've heard so many stories of your opening homes uh, to people in need and, and offering uh, to meet the needs that were, were out there. And so, family, you did well this week. And, and the needs will continue uh, in the coming days. And I know that we will rise together and, and be the church uh, that we need to be in the coming days. So in our identity series, we have uh, covered these five core values. And today we're covering... Integrative missions. Integrative missions. And as always, during these uh, these past five weeks, we have read together a description by, of what we mean by the particular core value. So I would like for us to read together about integrative missions and what we mean by that. So let's read. We were made for a purpose. God's grace and love compel us into a life of mission from our doorstep to the ends of the earth. This is our calling in which we all participate. We take an integrative approach to God's mission because we believe missions is who we are and not what we do. In that little description, there's a phrase that says God's missions. I want to ask that question. What is God's mission? What is God's mission? Is it the reconciliation of all mankind and all creation to himself? Is that God's mission? Yes, part of it. Is it for His church to make disciples who make disciples, who make churches that make disciples, who make disciples that make churches? Yes, it is. It's a part of God's mission. Is it to care for the poor? Is it for us, for His church, to care for the poor and the needy, to give freedom to the enslaved and liberty to the oppressed? Yes, that's a part. Of God's mission, is it to provide renewal and restoration to the hurting? Absolutely. But what is God's end game? What is His final mission? I want to contend that God's mission is the expansion of His kingdom for His ultimate glory. So when I ask the question, what is God's mission? In this sermon, what I mean is God's mission is the expansion of His kingdom For his ultimate glory. I think this is best seen in Revelation 7, 9 through 12. I'm going to read that. Revelation 7, 9 through 12. It says, after this, this is John. After this, I looked and behold, there was a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Verse 10. And they were crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. There's going to be a day that that is a reality. There's going to be a day that, that you and me, followers of Jesus, every single one of us, will be standing around the throne of God. There'll be all kinds of colors of people around us. There will be all kinds of people that have come from all over the world. Some of our friends, some of our neighbors, some of our church members will be standing together side by side. And will be singing and we'll be worshiping and we'll be glorifying the Lord it's going to be a great day. It's going to be an awesome day. After this past week, some of us are saying, come Lord Jesus, come, come now, come now. But As we see, and as we recognize God's vision, his vision becomes our passion. Our passion is to, is for him, is for him to receive the glory that is due his name, And that's going to be from every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. So everything that we do in missions is to that end. So how do we, how do we participate in God's mission? As individuals, our supreme goal is to glorify him. As individuals, our supreme goal is to glorify him. If that is our end goal, we will not be able to separate our spiritual lives from our personal lives, our work lives, our relationships, the way we value our families, the way we entertain ourselves, the way we spend our money, the way we relate to others or treat our bodies. The hidden attitudes of our hearts. None of these things can be compartmentalized or tucked away in hidden corners as followers of Jesus. It is our desire to glorify Him in every area of life, or at least it should be. When we as individuals pursue this end and when we come together as one body of believers at First Baptist Belton, we will be a church on mission with God to reach all of those who so desperately need Him and ultimately bringing Him glory. As the church... How do we participate in God's mission? Another way to ask this question is, in light of God's mission, what is the church's mission? And this is where we insert our core value, integrative missions. When a church sees missions as a part of its core value, who they are, that church will be on mission with God. And that's my introduction. So Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, turn there, Acts chapter 1, here's our text for the day, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through uh, 6 to 11, and then Acts 28, 31, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11, and Acts 28, 31. As you know, in the book of Acts, Jesus has experienced his death. He's experienced his resurrection. And now we're seeing how life played out for the disciples um, after his resurrection and before his ascension and then beyond. And so verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, is it not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has, oh, excuse me, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then the final verse of the book of Acts, chapter 28 Verse 31 says this, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Point number one, missions is about the expansion of God's kingdom. Before the text that we read, Jesus had been with his disciples for about 40 days. And and in the verses just prior to this, it says that Jesus taught them about the kingdom of God. So Jesus was teaching them about the nature of the kingdom of God. And and as you know, uh, the, the Israelites... They had an idea of what the Messiah would provide, and it would be some type of geographical, political, military uh, overtaking of the region, and, and Israel would be a strong nation again. That's what they were expecting out of a Messiah. And Jesus had died, Jesus had been resurrected, and he was teaching them more about the kingdom of God, trying to reveal to them uh, what... What the kingdom of God would mean. And, and we can see from our scripture in, in verse six that they still didn't quite understand. They, they were ready for the kingdom of God to be restored right then, right now, in the form and in the fashion that they had understood it was supposed to be. But Jesus said, no, that's, that's not quite right. That's not, that's not what he was teaching. We can gather from what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. Uh, you see, in Matthew four seventeen, Jesus began his ministry. And one of his earliest messages was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What we learn from scripture, and it's, it's just easy to see from this side of history, that the kingdom of God has a couple of different aspects to it. It has the aspect of, of nowness. The kingdom of God is now, but there's another aspect of the kingdom of God that is not yet. So it has a now, but not yet aspect. The kingdom of God, the rule of God is now. When Jesus came and lived and died and was resurrected, he ushered in the rule of God into the hearts of mankind this this kingdom of god was instituted in a manner much different than expected instead of a political or geographic rule god would rule over the hearts of mankind the kingdom of god is not yet now destroying human rule or surplanting it it is not now abolishing every sin from earth The kingdom of God has come quietly. It came secretly. It didn't draw attention to itself, but it worked among the people, but not necessarily recognized among the crowds. The kingdom of God now offers the blessings of God's rule. It's delivering people from the power of Satan and sin. The kingdom of God is an offer. It is a gift. And it can be accepted or it can be rejected. That's the kingdom of God now. The kingdom of God, not yet. The full reign of God is yet to come. There will come a day when human rule on earth ceases to exist. There will come a day when Satan no longer roams here and there, but will be cast into the deepest parts of hell. There will come a day when sin is no more, totally abolished. There will be a day when God's reign on earth will be as pure and powerful as it is in heaven. And missions is about the expansion of God's kingdom as God's rule spreads from heart to heart. How does the church play a role in that? Through missions. Point two, missions is impossible without the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Bible demonstrates that God has given the Holy Spirit to everyone who trusts in Jesus as their lord it is the holy spirit who convicts convicts sinners of sin of righteousness and judgment it is the holy spirit who brings spiritually dead people to new life in christ through regeneration it's the holy spirit who conforms believers into the image of christ by putting sin to death and cultivating the fruit of the spirit in our lives it is the holy spirit who gives believers spiritual gifts for the edification of the church and who empowers the church for the service of ministry and missions it is the holy spirit who inspired the words of the bible and now illuminates the minds of the believers to understand and believe the scripture itself it is the holy spirit who guides believers into truth and the same spirit who enables them to obey that truth apart from the presence and the work of the holy spirit there can be no christian life There can be no Christian ministry. There can be no Christian missions. Missions without the Holy Spirit is like throwing a firecracker at a brick wall and trying to break it down. There'll be a pop. There'll there'll be no results except perhaps a little stain left on the brick wall. Missions without the Holy Spirit is useless. Missions without being guided is unfruitful and damaging. Missions without the power of the Holy Spirit can be harmful. So the church and missionaries trust the Holy Spirit to lead where God desires and grants wisdom and strength and power for the work He has. Point three. Missions is across the street and around the world. Verse eight again says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want you to take note of these last two points. These last two points, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses. These last two points are not commands. Jesus didn't say here, Hey, be filled with my Holy Spirit. In Acts eight, He didn't say go be my witnesses. In Acts 1.8. Jesus said you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said you will be my witnesses. These were not commands. They were predictive. Jesus was saying this is going to happen. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. It is a done deal. We are God's witnesses. It's who we are. It's not what we do. It is who we are. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You know, you know the old rigmarole. Belton, Texas, United States, the rest of the world. It's kind of easy to think of this in geographical terms. Let's put it in cultural terms. Our Jerusalem. We are to be missionaries. We are to have missions in Jerusalem with people those we are most comfortable with. Those who are most like us. They look like us. They talk like us. They like the same foods. Enjoy the same creature comforts. Missions in Jerusalem. Missions in Judea. Perhaps we do have to travel a ways away, but we go to those places and those people are much like us. They look like us. They talk like us. use the same vocabulary. You could go to a restaurant there and order food, and you're going to get exactly what you thought you ordered. You can give your coffee order, and they'll make it just like you say it. In that location, we have missions in that area as well. Samaria, culturally speaking, perhaps the people not like us, perhaps people with similar roots, but these people, maybe we value a little less. If we could be honest with ourselves. These people, maybe we have been frightened of most of our lives. We don't want to be with these people. But Jesus sends us there. We are to be missionaries there. We are to share the gospel there. The ends of the earth. Here you're crossing cultural barriers. The language is different. The dress is different. You order something with no spice and it still burns your flesh and melts your teeth. People look different. They walk different. They sound different. The sounds are different. The world looks different. Yet Jesus sends us there because there's something awesome and incredible about crossing that cultural barrier and sharing the Lord of the universe with people. When Jesus said this, he did not assign one disciple to one location and another disciple somewhere else. He told them all collectively, this is where you're going to go. You will reach all of these places. By this, we too can understand that we as a church, as a collective body, we will be sent to all of these places. We should not assume that a wider area of missions, a place that's further away, is any more prestigious than going across the street. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. They're not a staircase of higher honor and mission. All of these places are of equal value and importance. God sends us to all of these places. Being on mission with God is not an item that's a checklist, but it's a lifestyle. It's a state of being. It's who we are. Missions is not picking one place, but devoting our whole selves to every geographical context in the whole world. Missions is not what we do, but it is who we are. So I have been asked many, many times, and I've heard the question asked, because our church has been very active in global missions. We've sent people all over the world. I've been asked a lot, well, what do we do for missions right here? What do we do for missions in Belton? Well, church... We are the church. We are the church of First Baptist Belton that has been planted here for a long time, over 150 years. We are the church right here. Where, if I ask this question, over the last five years, what's the location where we've sent the most missionaries from our church? Most people that we've sent out. And I ask that question, the last five years, where have we sent the most people to? We've sent a lot of people to India. We've sent a lot of people to Moldova. We've sent some people to, to Haiti, Indonesia, Malaysia. We've sent people to Uganda, Kenya. We've sent people to Seattle. So of all those places, of all the places that we've sent people, where have we sent the most? You know my answer? Belton? Right here. I don't want to belittle. I don't mean to belittle the office of missionary. The office of missionary is very real and very important. As someone is called by the Holy Spirit to go some location, to go to some spot, and the church examines that individual and says, yes, we agree. And so together with the Holy Spirit and the church, that individual is sent or released on mission with God to some location away from here. And we sin and we're happy to support So I don't want to belittle or demean the office of missionary. But in terms of the missionary task, we at First Baptist Belton send, well, how many people are in here today, right now? And how many people are watching on the camera? 500 right now, maybe? Online and in person? So today, from this group, we're sending 500 missionaries out into Belton. Right now, today, when you leave here, we're sending you. What do we do for missions locally? Think of our staff. Think of our staff here. Uh, think of Brad Eccles. He's our youth minister. Brad Eccles, the missionary appointed at First Baptist Belton to reach youth in Belton and Bell County. Eddie Humphrey, the children's minister, the missionary appointed at First Baptist Belton. To reach children and their families with the gospel of Jesus in Belton and Bell County. All of our ministries, our Hispanic ministry, our stars ministry, our recreation ministry, our college ministry, our worship ministry, our operations staff, all are involved in a system and in an operation to share the gospel to advance the kingdom of God from one heart to another. What do we do for missions in Bell County? I think we do a lot. I think we do a lot. Missions is across the street and around the world. Point number four, missions will not last forever. Missions will not last forever. Verses 9-11, through 11. I'll reread them. And when they had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This same Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we have been gifted a finite amount of time to accomplish God's mission. Though we long for the day of Jesus' return, we also recognize that there is a lost and a dying world. So when we say flippantly, come Lord Jesus, we recognize that if Jesus were to say, okay, I'm coming, there is a lost and there is a dying world that will no longer have the chance to say yes to him. We see the need, we see the humanitarian need, it's great, but far greater is the need of the souls of men and women because that moment, that moment when Jesus returns, it'll be too late for anyone else to say yes to Jesus. The moment to receive Jesus could end at any time. There will come a day when the gospel of Jesus is no longer preached. That time will have passed. Missions will not last forever. If you're in this room right now and you do not know him, you've never embraced him. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have never placed your hand in his. You have never crossed that line of faith. There will come a day that it is too late. It will either be at your passing or when he returns. And I beg you, I urge you, take care of that today. Jesus wants to love you. Jesus wants to know you. Jesus wants to embrace you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you purpose. Because the reality is missions and the expansion of the kingdom of God will not last forever because there will be a moment when his kingdom is totally fulfilled. The last point missions is unhindered. In Acts twenty eight, thirty-one, Paul was in prison. Paul was in prison. He'd been in Rome a couple of years now. And it says while he was in prison, he proclaimed the kingdom of God. He taught about Jesus. And he did it boldly and without hindrance. And he was in prison. He was in prison. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God. He taught about Jesus boldly and without hindrance. I love the very last word in the book of Acts. I think Luke, the author, probably used this word on purpose. In Greek, the word is uh, akaloutos. Akaloutos. You don't have any reason to know that word, that Greek word. I just like saying it, "akalutos." It doesn't mean anything to you. You don't even need to write it down. Because in English, in English it means unhindered. So the very last word, the very last word in the book of Acts, as the gospel has been spreading from Judea, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, the very last word, and I think Luke did this on purpose, the very last word is unhindered. The gospel of Jesus Christ and missions is unhindered. It cannot be stopped. Don't you want to be a part of something like that? Aren't you ready to be a part of something like that? Missions cannot be stopped. We can proceed in an unhindered fashion. The advancement of the kingdom of God cannot be stopped, and we get to be a part of it. That's why it's one of our core values. And that's why we call it integrative missions. Because as you think about our church and our ministries, we have our siloed ministries, our vertical ministries. We have youth ministry, children's ministry, preschool ministry, college ministry, Hispanic ministry, stars ministry. These things are are vertical ministries. But then we have missions. They're horizontal. We have worship. It's horizontal. And as as missions, it crosses the age spans. It crosses all peoples in this room. Are you on mission with God? Do you want to be? I think you do. I think we all do. Lord, we love you. We love you so much. We thank you that you have a mission, you have a vision, you have an end game. And we thank you that we can be just a very small part of that. And Lord, where you send us, whether it is across the street or around the world, we'll go. It could be my family member it could be my neighbor it could be my coworker it could be someone across this planet that i don't even haven't even met yet but if you send me if you send us we will go and lord whether a child in here is 5 year old 5 year, 5 years old or 10 years old or 14 if they know you they have a story to share And I pray they would. Lord, whether someone in here is single or married or married with children, their children are out of the house or have grandchildren, we thank you that you're not done with us. As your children, we have a story to share, and we thank you for that. We have our own story of how you brought us to life, and we have your story of how you brought life. So, Lord, as we consider you this morning, I pray for those in this room who do not yet know you. And I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to respond to your calling today. Give them, Lord, the strength and the courage to say yes to you right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's please stand together. And I'll be down here at the front. And if you would like to talk to me about knowing Jesus, I'd be happy to receive you. We can talk about it. And I can hand you to a staff member here, and they'll walk you through those steps of knowing Jesus. Let's sing together. As a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sunday for our traditional worship service at 8.30 or our contemporary service at 11 and for Bible study at 9.45. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God.